This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by our brand new podcast, Talking Trek. That's right, Star Trek Discovery is coming soon, and we're proud to launch this very special companion podcast in May 2017. Join us every week as we examine and analyze every episode, character, story arc, and more from the brand new Star Trek series coming to CBS All Access this spring. For more information and to join our mailing list, please visit TalkingTrek.net. Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my god, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, your independent Star Trek podcast. Thank you so much for being here and downloading. We're so excited that you've joined us this week. This is episode 89. Wow, that means that 88 other times I have introduced my illustrious co-host. You know, if the two of us were on the Star Trek 50th anniversary cruise this week, I would probably try to push him overboard. Especially after all this time. He's the very buoyant Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. It's good to have you here, and bon voyage. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. But i got to tell you, we were actually talking about this the last time we were in Disney all together, my family. And I sink like a stone, brother. <laughs> like, I don't float at all. Nothing. Really? No. Tried it. We tried different tests. No. I'm like a rock. <laughs> you and Data have something in common. <laughs> That's right. I don't have the life vest built into my system, though. I was going to say, yeah, you can't be used as a personal flotation device. Exactly. But thanks for, thanks, for, thanks for bringing me on the show for another great introduction. It's always good. This is episode 89, dealing with something that's 30. The numbers are screwing me up. Well, that's because you're not very good at math. No, you're not very good at math. Oh, I knew it was one of us. I just couldn't keep track of it. I just can't type or talk. Oh, in which case, you're the perfect person to read our contact information. <laughs> Take it away, Dan. Yes, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, as always, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can send us an email at our new email address, podcast at trekgeeks.com. And you can also call us at 508-784-1701. You can do it there, or you can leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. Also, as always, you can join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. And as a member of said group, you can get early access to the Trek Geeks podcast a full day before their release, and sometimes even sooner than that. So that's a pretty good perk. Uh, to join the group, just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. And please remember that any comments or messages you leave in any of these places may be used in a future episode. What? Now, I'm going to guess that that was your attempt to kind of halfway do Patrick Stewart. No, not at all. What was that? This deep morning voice. I felt I'd throw it out there. Oh, wow. Deep morning voice. Yes. I got to write that one down. Deep for the, morning uh, the voice. Archives. Try it. It sounded like you were going to go Picard on us for a minute. No, I don't know if I really ever have done a good Picard. Oh, I have a couple of good clips, clips, snippets of Picard, but not a whole sentence. I don't know if I could do it. The uh, I'm taking it up with you, Will, is pretty good. I yeah, that is, I yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm not so, going to do um, it. Before we jump to the news, uh, those people who listened last week and stayed all the way till the end heard us open each other's Christmas gifts yes. from this year. <laughs> so I have to tell you, I've I've been playing incessantly with my Bluetooth communicator. Okay. To the point where I think my wife might have been driven a little crazy. I'm just going to say it out loud. <laughs> That's awesome. Because not only does you know can you use it as a Bluetooth speaker or as a phone. But, I mean, it also plays sound effects if it's not connected via Bluetooth, right. depending on which way you hit the, the buttons. Mm -hmm. So there's at least, like, I want to say 15 or 20 different phrases from various characters like Spock and, and Sulu and Uhura. And like, thank God there's no checkoff. 
Wow. Um, wow. I know. But uh, at one point, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was just waiting for me to put the thing away. But I have to tell you, if you haven't gotten the Bluetooth communicator, it is awesome. That's good. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Dude, the watch, once it started working... <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, it's awesome. Yeah, we had a little problem with the battery. The battery um, was not functional, so I I got a new battery and I I popped the back off of it, put the battery in, and couldn't get the backing back on. I had to actually take it to a jeweler because of the pressure that's required to put it on evenly. Um, so it only took an extra day, but uh, um, I've been wearing it proudly. I've gotten several comments on it. It looks great. That saucer section is just amazing. Oh, so, it's beautiful. Uh, isn't I'm it? enjoying it very much. I have to say, Risk mine worked. Running. Mine worked out of the box, so wrist buddy. So I don't know what your problem was. Well, it just means you give your friends substandard gifts, but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> Enjoy your communicator, jerk. <laughs> I will. I'm going to call you on it and tell you how much of a jerk you are. <laughs> It's time for the news from our good friends at treknews.net. Online at treknews.net. Next time on an all-new treknews.net. Whoa. When did we we get the budget for an announcer? Hey, I'm doing it for free because I love the show so much. (laughs) Trek, it's a website. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Dan, looking through the latest stories from our friends at treknews.net, one of yours and my favorite actors at this juncture, Doug Jones, Mm. who, of course, will be on the forthcoming Star Trek Discovery, slated to start shooting at the end of this month. Yes. Was talking about playing a brand new alien species. Yes. And there was a little uh, video in in this uh, awesome article over treknews.net where he talks about playing an alien that has never before been seen in Star Trek history ever in any way, shape or form in any series or any movie. So he's going to be able to build this character himself, so to speak. And he's something that struck me a little interesting. He said he's tickled pink about it. And I'm wondering if that's going to have anything to do with the look of this alien. I thought it was very interesting. Oh, interesting. Yes, but he is going to be a lieutenant. He's going to be the science officer. He's very excited about uh, the opportunity. He loves Star Trek. He talked about how he's he's watched not every episode, but he's seen every series and every movie. Uh, One of the things that I thought was very interesting about this article and video was how he talked about social media after he was cast and how his social media exploded and how people were just like, oh, my God, this is so great. And I got to say that I know at least two people that did exactly that when he was cast to be in Star Trek Discovery. I wonder who they were. (laughs) And possibly an official podcast website or Twitter feed, too. Uh, allegedly, you can't prove that. I, uh, I could go back, but yeah, yeah, we're very excited about Doug Jones being on the show, which uh, we'll start filming in just a couple weeks. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I mean, I know we have to wait, <laughs> but I wish we didn't. Well, maybe uh, you know, certain uh, you know, VC out in uh, California can do something about that. John, VC? hello, John, 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 VC. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, Very doubtful. Also, as as importantly, is that he actually taught us how to pronounce his character's name. Yeah, go ahead, dude. It's all you. I know you're the news I'm guy. I'm gonna screw it up. You know me, Lieutenant Saru. I, no, you got it. Yeah, I know I did. I just Saru, yeah, Saru, almost like Sulu, but with an A. Saru, 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 Saru. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Saru, and uh, I, I. I the more I, I, the closer we get to May, the more excited I get. So. It really is going to be great. And when we start getting little teasers thrown out there, uh, that's when I'm really going to start getting excited. We did get a slight teaser. Don't know if it's going to be the actual music, but there was a Twitter feed post this week with someone doing instrumental music, and it had Discovery hashtagged. So I don't know if it's official or not, if that's the music, but it was pretty awesome. I had seen on Twitter that that was debunked. Oh, okay. As it's that's, not. That's too bad. Um. I thought it was okay. I, I didn't get all excited about it, but um, if that one's up being the theme, I mean, they, they've they've done worse. It can grow on me. It's not like it's uh, Faith of the Heart. Oh, let's move along. Home. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> moving along home. Uh, Dan, it looks like there are a bunch of Star Trek stars uniting against bullying. Yeah, this is 
this is a great story. This has been something that we have seen uh, from Chase Masterson in the past. She put together an organization, the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. Uh, she formed this back in 2013. Well, a bunch of Star Trek actors have gotten together. I'm going to list off uh, some of them. Uh, William Shatner, Chase Masterson herself, Terry Farrell, Nana Visitor, Armin Shimmerman, Max Gredenchik, uh, Jeff Combs, Casey Biggs, Hannah Hattay. Uh, they have all participated in this t-shirt drive to uh, raise money uh, to go towards this anti-bullying campaign. They're pretty cool shirts. It says, be kind on the front of it with hearts. And uh, uh, they originally had this uh, campaign wrapped up on December 19th, but they have relaunched it for an additional 20 days. So uh, buy a shirt and give to a good cause. Go to pop hero, uh, excuse me, popculturehero.org for more information. That sounds like a great great endeavor and um we can only hope that that people buy as many shirts as they can with that one yeah, absolutely and it's it's really been very engaging see what i did there um william shatner's posted out pictures with the shirt uh all the uh, most of the people that i just read off have done it as well um so they're very much into this it's a great organization from chase uh i had the chance to talk to her very briefly about it when i met her in vegas a couple of years ago it's a really good cause Without a doubt. And Dan, lastly in news, it looks like the CBS Interactive CEO had some things to say about Discovery and All Access, and particularly about Brian Fuller's exit from the production. Yeah, absolutely. Um, had a discussion about the CBS All Access and how they want to, you know, really really hit it out of the ballpark and have a Netflix type of channel out there for streaming services. And of course, Star Trek Discovery was discussed. Uh, and uh, Mr. Lanzone, the CEO of CBS Interactive, discussed that his exit was just what we've seen uh, previously. Uh, he was committed to both Discovery and American Gods and, quote, our time frame did not wind up lining up with the time frame of the show that he was already committed to. The good news is that we have his entire vision for the show. He's still the show's creator, and Alex Kurtzman is still the executive producer. So it's essentially the same team, but his full-time commitment was not something we were able to secure, end quote. Uh, it sounds like kind of more of what we thought before, didn't you think, Bill? I think so. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it sounds like, you know, both the delay and discovery – um, and the current production schedule for American Gods, which I believe shoot at the same studio, mm -hmm. um, really, you know, just sort of added up to to create a situation where just you know they they had to go in a different direction. Is I'm sure that neither side necessarily wanted for that to happen because they wouldn't have approached Brian in the first place exactly if they didn't want him. It's just you know, I, I suppose it's just one of those things per se. We'll see. I'm sure I'm still going to be awesome. <laughs> it's still going to be awesome. <laughs> And Dan, speaking of awesome, this year, of course, marks the 30th anniversary of the premiere of Star Trek The Next Generation, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about TNG this year. We thought it would be good to take a step back and look at how the series premiered and our initial thoughts, because when this came out, you and I were both 18 years old and had already had a, a long and an active Star Trek fandom before that. Yeah, it really is amazing to think 30 years. Of course, we've had a lot of anniversaries lately. Uh, of course, we just wrapped up STLV 50, uh, STLV 50, Star Trek 50th anniversary. Um, and also just uh, last month and the month before, we had a bunch of anniversaries with movies and series. So it seems that it's, uh, it's the thing right now with Star Trek. And it's hard to believe that TNG is 30 years old. You know, a lot of people started with with the next generation, um, the younger people, obviously not you and I, uh, started TNG. Uh, that's how they got into Trek and then it, it built from there. So it really is amazing that it is already 30 years ago. It sounds like it feels like it was yesterday. It really does. You know, one of the things I never stopped to consider before doing this podcast was that every Star Trek series was somebody's first Trek. I mean, we had the virtue of coming into the franchise, you know, with the original series. Granted, it was in reruns and syndication, but, you know, we came in the way it started, essentially, which was with, you know, Kirk and Spock and McCoy and, and the original adventures of the Enterprise. And since then, I've gained a lot of respect for the fact that every future incarnation of Trek was some generation's first look at, at this franchise that we all love so much. And 
it's it's weird to think now that there are <laughs> there are kids who were born during TNG that are now de- having kids of their own. <laughs> no, it really is weird. It's it's amazing. We only had the one to start with, but people today have seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really yeah. amazing. So I, it's pretty cool. I, I just it, it blows me away every time. And now you know there's there's next gen movies, there's original series movies, there's the Kelvin timeline movies, there's a new series starting in in May. You know there's there's DVDs, there's there, <laughs> you know you there's the Roddenberry Vault. There's all kinds of new Trek to discover, and you know for for generations after this, and it's it's pretty amazing to think about it. It really is, and and uh, um, who knows what's going to happen after Discovery? Because I think William Shatner said it best uh, in Roddenberry Vault, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in, in the future. Is is there will always be Trek somewhere, always, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see what the future holds. But right now, we're talking 30th anniversary, baby. So let's slingshot around the sun for a second. And we'll go back 30 years. I noticed a nice original series reference there. That's good, yeah. Good. Yeah, thank you. Thank Star you. Trek 4 also. Uh, yes. Uh, so remember, you know, so we'd seen Search for Spock. Voyage Home has just come out. You know, Star Trek couldn't be more popular. And then at that point, you and I did not know each other. Mm-hmm. But the announcement was made that, hey, guess what? There's going to be a new Star Trek series. And Gene Roddenberry's running it. How did you first react? Uh-oh. <laughs> as usual you were a wordsmith yeah um i think if i remember correctly i was a little I, you know it's star trek so it's exciting but i think right away we knew that it was not going to be the crew that we were used to and that was very concerning i had the reaction that it was basically going to suck without Kirk and Spock. Well, okay. Uh, look, I didn't want to, I wanted to put it a little bit, you know, lesser than that, but yeah, I felt the same. <laughs> I was one of those people, you know, people talk now about the fans who are like, well, if it doesn't have Kirk and Spock, it doesn't have me. And I will, I will freely admit that I was one of those people at 18 years old mm-hmm. because how can you do Star Trek without Spock? How can you do Star Trek without Captain James T. Kirk? Right. You know, how do you get lightning in a bottle twice? You know, I, I had a, even at that age, I had a real worry that they were going to sort of dilute the product. So does this mean there's less of the original series cast? Because they're still making movies. True. Uh, you know, I also, I think, I believe I felt, you know, okay, the movies are popular right now. How are they going to do a new TV series if it's not going to have, it's got to have Kirk and Spock. How is it not going to be? And how are they going to be able to do it if it's if it's the same actors? And is it going to be different actors? Because that's not going to work either, playing the same characters. So there was a lot of of question marks in my mind, I think. I was still excited because we were getting something that we had never had brand new in our lifetime. It was it came out in sixty, you know, in the late sixties. So this was something new for us. But it was I was I remember I was excited but very concerned at the same time. You know, that that really was a, a valid concern of mine. You know, it's like, well, what happens when this show gets canceled? <laughs> yeah. You know? Because <laughs> here I am thinking, this couldn't po- – syndication? Mr. Positivity. I know, right? <laughs> but I'm thinking, syndica- how is this not going to work on network TV? Because, of course, keep in mind, this was the pre-internet era. There were three networks. Fox was still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Not all areas had Fox. So like where I lived in central New Hampshire, there was no Fox. No Fox. Yeah. I don't know if you guys had it in Nashua, but – I don't, re- um, I don't recall, actually, if we had it. Um, we'll get into it later, but I actually wasn't in Nashville at the time it aired. Um, but uh, I, don't re- I don't recall back in those days. So I can tell you from experience that uh, when I watched the premiere, it was on an ABC affiliate out of Boston, WCVB Channel 5. Oh, okay. Yep. And Channel 5 made the decision to preempt ABC's Saturday primetime offering – which was a series called Once a Hero that lasted about four episodes before it was canceled, (laughs) to show the two-hour premiere of Star Trek The Next Generation. And I know this because it was my birthday weekend in 1987. There you go. So, uh, you know, clearly there were people who understood that this could be big. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, Channel 5 in Boston, Boston's a major market, you know, an ABC affiliate at that essentially thumbed their nose at the network and said, uh, yeah, we're going to put this on in primetime on a Saturday. Yeah. 
and that's uh, that's unheard of at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember I was at my parents' house because I still lived with mom and dad. Of course, it was my you know the weekend of my 18th birthday, mm-hmm. and we got about I want to say half an hour, 35 minutes in, and it was interrupted by a special report from ABC News. What was the and special th- report? If memory serves, and I could be conflating two different events, but I think it was that little girl trapped in the well ah. in Texas, mm-hmm. and they were getting her out of the well, I think it was, or maybe it was some update, but they cut in, and I had to watch the rest of Star Trek at two in the morning. Oh, jeez. So I set my alarm, <laughs> you know, and no, my mom didn't wake me up to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And we didn't really have a working VCR at the time, mm-hmm. you know, because it was 1987. And, right. You know, it was broken and they cost a lot to fix back then. Yeah. And uh, so I had to get up at 2 a.m. and watch the rest. And that was my recollection of watching Encounter at Farpoint. Wow. So so where were you when it premiered that week? Well, before I get into where I was, I think it's funny that you watch about the first half hour, 40 minutes of episode Encounter at Farpoint before it was preempted. Yeah. Um, so basically, you had about two lines of dialogue and just all music and spaceships. <laughs> Great joy and gratitude. <laughs> yeah. Shut off that damn noise. Anyway, uh, I was actually in Fort Collins, Colorado when this aired, the first uh, the first episode of Next Generation aired. Um, I was actually – I actually went to Colorado State University for a semester when I first started my college career. Um, and I didn't stay there, which in hindsight was – was a stupid decision, but you know, you learn as you grow older. Um, I had a friend who, uh, I grew up with in Nashua who was actually attending CSU also, and she was a year ahead of me. So, um, in, at Colorado State University, I went to her dorm. She had a TV and I remember watching it on the floor of her dorm and just not really liking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was exciting because, you know, hey, it's it's the first episode of Star Trek we're going to see in a long time. And and uh, in Colorado, you know, I'm away from home for the first time. And, and this is great because I love Star Trek so much. And it just, uh, yeah. So that's where I was. and But it was not preempted. So I did get to see the whole two hours seeming like 10-hour episode of the premiere of Star Trek The Next Generation on <laughs> September 26, 1987. Wow. I um. <laughs> That's kind of mind-blowing because I always forget that you spent a year in Colorado. It wasn't even a year, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Um, But that's where it was. That's where it was. Yeah. I've been to Fort Collins a few times because I lived out in Denver for three years Fort in, in the early nineties. Is absolutely gorgeous. Loved it out there. But you know, you're young, you know, you know, you're away from home for the first time and you make stupid decisions. So Yeah. <laughs> and one like of the watching- stupid decisions was watching the first episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I think we both had the same sense of really? Yeah. At the end of Encounter of Farpoint. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. It was more than a fair statement. Um the the jellyfishes coming out of the ground and uh, I was like, is is this what it's going to be like? Yeah. Well, I mean, there is a, a very Star Trek component to part of that episode. You know, because if you think about it, you know, DC Fontana wrote kind of the Farpoint section and mm-hmm. Gene wrote the Q section, if memory serves. I, I'm not a big fan of the Q section of that episode, but if you look at the Farpoint section as a standalone episode of Star Trek, it's not terrible. It's not great, yeah, but it's not it, it, it's not horrible by any means. I have to agree with you uh, on that, especially the Q aspect of it. it. It's funny that Q came in on the very first episode and the whole you know, the human race being put on trial. I couldn't stand that part of that episode, but it's amazing that it came full circle after seven seasons. And that was a, such an integral part of any Q episode when you thought about it, but the whole idea of it, I just didn't like at all. I have to agree with you because it seemed like the two stories just didn't go together. Oh, absolutely. You know, as much as they tried to bridge them as best they could, you know, that encounter at Farpoint did not seem like a, a valid test for, you know, defending humanity. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that when we joked a minute ago about, you know, the music and not a lot of dialogue and just, you know, constant shots of the ship. This was the first episode in in 20-something years of Star Trek 
They had to take the first episode to show off a little bit, I think, maybe. I think that yeah. might have been why it had something to do with it, but it, it's it's very slow. So let me ask you this. So that, that first establishing shot of, of Next Gen after the opening credits, you know, it sort of pans down and you see the Galaxy-class Enterprise coming at you. What did you think of the ship design itself? I think at the time, I thought it looked extremely fake. Okay. And now we're also, and I, I could be looking at this through through time because you know later on in the show they got so much better at their special effects and the ship looked more realistic and three D ish and like a real thing. Whereas at the beginning, the first season especially, it looked it just looked fake. It didn't. It looked like the the special effects of the day. Obviously, um, I was like, that's not the Enterprise. Yeah, it's got a saucer and it's got nacelles, but that that how can it have over a thousand people on it? That's not the Enterprise. Families? Are you kidding me? That type of thing. That's the type of reaction I think I had. I have to admit to another <laughs> uber positive reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated the Galaxy Class Enterprise when when Next Gen premiered. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I, you know, the the TMP refit Enterprise and the Enterprise A are my favorite design ever. Sure, you know, it's just I, as much as you know the the Enterprise in the original series was my boyhood ship of dreams. Seeing her on the big screen and the refit was just the most amazing thing to me ever. And when I saw that, I'm like, "You're kidding! That's the Enterprise." <laughs> I have to agree. To this day, I still don't think the Galaxy class is the best looking ship. It's. I've warmed up to it a lot. I have too, I really but have. I still, it still never will be one of my favorites. No, although I have to tell you, though, since 1988, so the year after Next Gen premiered, I got one of those Galoob diecast Enterprise D mm-hmm. ships that's, it feels like it weighs about five pounds, but it doesn't. And the saucer separates. Uh-huh. I still have it on my desk at work to this day. Has anybody dropped it? Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Wow! Wow! Okay, two for two. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Actually, I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna step in. Also, I at one point did get a. NCC 1701D model that you have to actually put together. And I, you know how the, the, the saucer section has like little squares and they're different colors than the rest of the hull. Yeah. I painted those with toothpicks. Oh, wow. It took me forever, but I, I did the whole ship. Um, it took a long time. I don't know where it is now. Um, but, uh, I, so even though it's not my favorite ship, I did spend countless hours painting and putting together a model. <laughs> so I, it's a shame you don't know where it is now because I was going to ask if I could drop it for you. Um, <laughs> keep the not? trend going. It might as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, after the first episode, and particularly after season one, yeah, because if you watched the the first, what is it, 24, 26 episodes of season one, did you think the show was going to make it? Nope. Yeah. Pretty quick, I, quick answer there. <laughs> did you think that Denise Crosby was the only smart person by getting out? <laughs> yeah. There was just a lot of, this is corny things I remember thinking to myself. This doesn't, this isn't track. It, it's just, it's corniness. Uh, so I did not think it was going to make it. Yeah, I have to agree that I don't think it was going to make it. And I think like, you know, my main criticism of Star Trek Voyager was the, the writing, mm-hmm. you know, because I thought the actors were fine. They were just given horrible things to do. And that's kind of how I feel about Next Gen. You know, I, I they there were several characters they just didn't write well. One of them was Tasha. They gave Tasha nothing to do, which right. doesn't surprise me that, that Denise Crosby left. Uh, Wesley was written terribly. Uh, I thought that Beverly Crusher was written terribly. And I wasn't really fond with how Riker was written. It's, that's pretty much the whole bridge crew, but I'll add, I didn't think that uh, Worf's character was written well at all in the first season. Well, I didn't think they intended for him to stick around. Which is, well, I mean, I'm glad he did, but yeah, it, it, I thought uh, the idea, just the idea of a Klingon being on the bridge in the first place was kind of like, what, what? <laughs> so, so do you remember when they announced the characters? I don't. So I, here was, here was my reaction, Okay. And this is before the premiere. You know, there's usually press articles. There's like, uh, I don't know if it was Starlog magazine, if that was still around back then, or it was some magazine that, you know, I would see on the shelf at the supermarket or whatever. And I'm like, wait a second, a a bald captain? (laughs) With with a French name? (laughs) Well, how do I say that? Jean Luck. (laughs) Is there a Jean Luck Luck picker? And then an android I was okay with because they've had androids in Star Trek before. True. All right, fine. A, a blind guy? <laughs> <laughs> and 
and he's the guy from Roots with who has such incredible eyes. Yeah, and they're hidden. Yeah, <laughs> and then a shrink <laughs> because you need one of those on the bridge. A kid and a Klingon. That's some good press releases, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think Starlog was uh, was around back then too. Still, it probably was because I oh, I loved Starlog. Yeah, it was great. You know, in the days before the internet, it, it was the thing to read. That and Fangoria. <laughs> oh, and, and Cinefantastique. <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> a trip down memory lane here Absolutely. on Absolutely. Yeah. So, Pickard. <laughs> our criticisms aside, it is safe to say that, that Next Gen has probably become one of our favorite shows of all time. Absolutely. Would you believe that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Even with all those uh, nervous moments in the first season plus. So... At what point, because, you know, you and I watched it week to week, you know, we, we couldn't binge watch back then unless we taped it on VHS ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, and so before I get into the, did you like tape it and cut the commercials out as, as the season was going? Oh my God. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Ta- no, I didn't. Um, I think I did for part of it, but then I just let it go and I just fast forward through the commercials. Oh, I got to a point where I would watch it and try to anticipate when the commercial was coming and, and pause. <laughs> yeah. Pause and then start again when after the commercial break. And there would always be these awkward cuts on the videotape. Yeah, and there'd be like you get to the commercial you you cut it too late and you get the beginning of Bruce Willis's Seagram's wine cooler commercial. <laughs> and then it comes back onto the bridge of the enterprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you missed the first two words of dialogue. <laughs> I, I must have dealt with those VHS because I was starting a whole collection. Like it, I knew it would take me like five VHS tapes to do right. the whole season. Yep. And uh, I I think I played those things to death. I have no idea what happened to those. Wore them out. But uh, in watching it week to week, at what point do you think it became must-see television for you? This is kind of a funny analogy that I've always had with Next Generation and when it got good. When they changed their uniforms to the to the tops that they had, where with the Picard maneuver pull down sweater, that's when it got good. So, so season, season three, season three, yeah, season three is where it started to pick up. Midway season three, it really took off. That, in my opinion, that's when it's that's when it started getting really good. I um, I think I agree with that on some level. I mean, there clearly was lighting changes in that time, you know, because season three looks very different from seasons one and two, mm-hmm. which already look different from each other. Right. Season two looks a little different than season one. Um, but you know, you could tell that just visually the show looked different. Yes. It wasn't as stark, mm-hmm. you know, there were, there was better contrast. I, I think that it, it played better on screen, but I also think that the caliber of stories was far better than the first two seasons. Absolutely. Um, I, for me, I don't think it really became necessarily, I have to make myself available Saturday nights at 7 PM until about the fourth season. Okay. Because before that, I would tape it and then watch it later and then sit down and watch it again to tape it for my collection so I could cut the commercials. Okay. So it, I, I want to say probably uh, they had to be at least 100 episodes in before I realized that I needed to sit myself down every Saturday to oh, watch wow. this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's pretty far in. It's funny. Um, best of both worlds, I'm sure we're going to talk about. So let's talk about it now. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah. To me, that is when it became must-see television. Must-see. I think to this day, and Aria obviously agrees with me, um, (laughs) to this day, I think that may be the biggest cliffhanger in the history of television. Um, Even with all the shows that they have out now, I don't think any – as a Star Trek fan or even as fan of these other shows – yeah. I don't think there are any other shows that punched you in the gut like that and you had to wait a year before you find out what happens. I think the thing about Best of Both Worlds is that, I mean, it starts off with an exceptional script. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But the thing that set that episode apart to me was the music from the you know the opening moments of the episode. Absolutely. Because it created, you know, tension and stress and drama in a way that you hadn't seen in next gen before that. Right. Right. And certainly not in TOS. I mean, you know, we, I think by that point we probably knew all the music cues to TOS, you know, without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Best of both worlds was different in so many ways that I think it, it went a great way to establishing next gen as its own thing. Yeah. 
I agree. Um, we talked about what we were doing uh, or, or our, our remembering the first episode. I remember vividly what was going on the first time that episode, Best of Both Worlds Part 1, was on. My best friend Jen lived in Hudson, New Hampshire, and I was over her house, and we were watching Q Who because they played that first before oh, yeah. um, Best of Both Worlds start. And I remember about 20 minutes before the episode started – I said, all right, I'm leaving. I got to go. Bye. And she's like, why? I said, I'm not watching this next episode with anybody. I got to watch it by myself. And I went home and watched <laughs> it at home. <laughs> I said, I don't want to be anybody around me just distracting me. <laughs> I was I was the only person in my house that watched Star Trek. So, you know, my parents had this sun porch. And uh, that's where the second TV was. Yes. And, you know, it was a de- so I would be out there on the sun porch alone, you know, with the door closed watching Next Gen. And, you know, the screen door was open and stuff like that. And I, I was watching it and I got to the end and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> I got to wait four months? <laughs> and that was forever back then. Oh. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, with no, no internet. And that's right. You couldn't talk I, to uh, anybody about it. <laughs> you know, I eventually, you know, I knew other Star Trek fans. You know, it's it's weird because when I started watching Next Gen season one, I would get together with a group of people every Saturday night and watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, fellow Star Trek fans. You know, um, and that group never made it to season two. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> and then I found myself wishing that I had that group of people for the season three cliffhanger. Oh yeah, because yep. uh, the discussions, but. So this reminds me, you know, there are a lot. Well, there's 172 episodes of Next Gen. Something like I that. Think. Yeah. I think somewhere around there. You know, aside from some of the the normal favorites that everybody cites, do you have any special Dark Horse favorites or other ones that don't seem to make other people's lists? Well, I do have uh, I do have a bunch of ones that I jotted down. Um, as favorites that may or may not be on other people's lists. I have ones like the inner light, of course, is, is one of my all time favorites. I just think that's brilliant. It's a great one. The Pegasus we've talked about. We had a whole show on the Pegasus and that's one of our favorites. It's just a, an unbelievable episode, but I put things like, uh, the first duty is one of my favorite episodes. Cause and effect. I could watch over and over and over again. Get it. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, final mission is another one that I really like. Uh, and Q Who, which, you know, the first Borg uh, introduction is always uh, a great one. Any of the Q ones, pretty much. It's funny, we talked about how we don't like certain aspects of the Q portion of Encounter and Farpoint, but Delancey does such a good job as Q that whenever there's a Q episode, it was usually pretty good. Um, and then I've always loved the game. I think the game is a hilariously good episode. I don't think of the game as hilarious. I just think the, the the Robin Leffler scenes, uh, uh, Ashley Judd's performance, it just always makes me laugh. I think she was great in it. Um, <laughs> so I, I, that's maybe why I say hilariously. But yeah, it's it's a gr- it's a great episode. It's one of my favorites. And we've always talked about the cosplay that we saw in Vegas with the game. I mean, very simple cosplay, but it's one of the best ones. Um, so I um I have a, a series of uh, of episodes that don't usually you know make everybody's list. I love the lower decks. Really. I love that episode. I was looking through the list and I saw that one. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I don't know why. Well, because to me, it you know, so much focus is always put on the bridge crew. I thought it was nice to see it from the perspective of junior officers. Yeah, and I thought it was a nice, you know, break in the the usual formula for Star Trek, which we may be seeing in Discovery, from what we've heard. Right? Yes. I um, I I do, I, I do love Frame of Mind. That's a great one. Very good one. Yeah. I know a lot of people who hate that episode. Oh, I love that one. But I, I think it I think it's such an important episode for Riker. And I just I find it incredibly entertaining because here, you know, he has no idea which way is up. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, because it's it's season six, it's deep into season six. Yes. You know, he's he's been inhabiting this character for five plus years. It's nice to have that kind of departure. Right? Honestly. And he does such a great job of someone who looks like he's lost his mind. He really does. He does a fantastic job. Oh, my God. Um, I'm okay with cause and effect. I don't like it as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do well, I, I do like disaster. Yes, that's a good one. Very good. Yep. And 
as I, I look through this list, I am um, uh, another Riker episode. I really do like Future Imperfect too. That's a great episode. Great I've, episode. And uh, probably the last one I would use is one that sometimes makes people's list and one that doesn't. Uh, probably my favorite of this group has to be the Drumhead. That one's um. That's uh, to me. It's not one of my favorites. It's excellent, but it's such a serious and and kind of foreboding episode that I think that's maybe why I didn't put it on my list. I think that's the reason why I like it, honestly, because of all the next gen episodes, to me, it's the one that is most like Deep Space Nine. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, very good. You know, it's serious. You're right. It is foreboding. You know, there's there are great statements to be made about our society and the Federation of sorts, but that, you know, the, the discussion between Worf and Picard toward the end is, you know, is, is pure Star Trek. Yeah, it is. You know, it's, it's amazing. On, on the flip side, one that I almost put on my list but took off simply because of the ending and, and what Brent Spiner had to do, I think A Fistful of Datas is just it's hysterical. <laughs> it's, it's not one of my favorites. It just at the end, it's just like so hard to watch. But the, the, up until that point, I really like it. I like the I like the Star Trek sounding music with a Western theme. I think that was brilliant. Uh, and the story is just kind of funny. The ancient West. I think that's a riot. Yeah. Plus, uh, I think that, you know, the way they incorporated Marina into that episode was fun. Mm-hmm. It was. It was very good. Yeah. So in your opinion, looking at all 178 episodes, sorry, what, which, what is the very worst episode of all of them? Oh, God. You hit me with one I didn't expect. I um, know. I like to do that. Yeah. I, everybody talks Shades of Grey, but I don't really think that's the worst episode because that's just basically a canned episode where they just keep throwing a bunch of uh, – um, you know, clips from previous episodes. And I didn't, oh, man, I'd have to think about that for a second. Um, let me get yours first while I think about it. Cause I do have to think about it for a minute to see which one I think might be one of the worst. Not a problem. Oh, I, actually, I, you know what? No, I know which one it is. Code of honor, code of honor. Worst one ever. Hey, oh, really? awful. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Code of honor. That one is bad. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I, I, there's no way I can defend that episode. Although we do know people who like that episode. Mm, that's interesting. I know. But uh, I am going to say season six, episode 13, Aquiel. Oh, hands, that's not a good one. <laughs> hands down, the worst episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Would you put that up there as one of the worst of Star Trek, period? Yes, I would. <laughs> Aquiel. Yes, I would. Yeah, that's not a great one. It it was the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even I can't even fit Morehouse's you know five words in a hashtag. <laughs> I got I, I only got four words. It was the dog. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, that is I I actually have forgotten about that episode. But we talked about that too. Ones that we just think are bad. I tend to forget. I I don't know how you do that though. I I can't I can't block some of these from my mind. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's uh, subconscious blocking it out, so I don't have to. <laughs> but yeah, that one is bad. But Code of Honors. I mean, we talk about how season one is 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 not great. That is the perfect example of how bad it could have been. Oh my word! It yeah. really is. Yeah. So I have to tell you, I um, I drove across country to move back from Colorado. Uh, with my father. He flew all the way out to Denver to drive back home with me. And we stopped one night, you know, to to get some sleep at a, at a hotel. And he's like, oh, yeah, turn on the TV. So I did. And Next Gen was on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the episode, and I'm having a, a mind blank right now at this particular time, but it was the episode with all the wharfs. Oh, okay. Parallels. Thank you. Parallels. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I'm looking at the name right there on my screen. I didn't put did it, it together with... Good episode. And my father watched that episode because remember he's not a star. He was not a Star Trek fan. Okay. And I'm gonna do my best to imitate his reaction. Are you ready? Yep. The hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're wasting your time on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? What? I? Who is he? Why? Why are there? What? What is going on? It was it was hilarious to me. Oh my god, yeah. that's funny. But yeah, it's, he's he just sat, sat there shaking his head. And he's like, you watch this crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dad. I am. Uh, I do. Thank you. Thank you. That's I appreciate a riot. that. 
Yeah. So, wow. It's. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember watching the finale for oh, next? Year? Yes, I do. Did you watch it live? Yes, I did. And when it was over, how did you feel? Uh, I was heartbroken. Really? I I was because it had gotten that good. And I say that because the end scene is a very touching scene. And the way that it kind of pulls back from the room and the poker table and how Picard realizes that he should have been more involved with his crew and uh, over the years was a very strong moment for me as and as it pulls up and you see the ship uh, heading off uh, I just I that just it killed me that I think it was that scene more than the series being over I think when it got to the end of that episode I had this feeling like wow so what now yeah we didn't you know, know. yeah it's we you know we knew they were going on to movies because like Entertainment Tonight reminded us all of the time. Yeah, <laughs> filming both at the same time. Yeah, filming yeah. both at the same time. But you know when you got to that next fall, you're like, there's only going to be one Star Trek show. Yeah, yeah. Now, granted, it was Deep Space Nine, which made me happy, but it's like, wow. So it this is over. Mm-hmm. I went on this ride for seven years, and and this is it. And it was it was really kind of melancholy. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I was bummed. And then we got generations and realized how much more bummed we could be. (laughs) Come on now. So as we start to look at celebrating this 30th anniversary this year, obviously you and I are going to be at STLV this summer. What are you hoping to see out of STLV with regards to celebrating next gen? Well, to, to, not to put too fine a point on it, I hope that they do something because they didn't really do anything for uh, TOS 50. Um, I would like to have a whole cast uh, session on the main stage. Um, of course, we know that Will Wheaton won't be there, but um, I think if they were to have everybody else, that would be quite amazing. They did it for Voyager a couple of years ago, and 30th anniversary is kind of a big deal. Um, they've had you know groups of parts of the cast on before but i think it would be that that i've seen but i think it would be really cool to have a whole whole crew uh on stage if they could somehow swing will wheaton to get there that would be awesome but i don't know if that would ever happen i um no i don't think it will but i mean i can only hope that sir patrick is there Mm, absolutely because i think that it was it's always great when he's there but this last year with tng 50th i'll admit i was a little disappointed that he couldn't make it i mean obviously he was working i get it but um I think that's my biggest hope because yeah. I want there to be a TNG cast photo opportunity. Oh yeah. I, it's going to be big bucks, but I would pay it for that. I think I would too. You've got the awesome deep space nine one. So add to your collection. And I mean, granted that's missing Cole Meany and it's <clears throat> missing Alexander Siddig, yeah. but it's got, you know, pretty much all of the other main cast members right. and, it's. I'm so glad I did that one. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad for you too, man. That's really nice. So I would be. I would. I would do that as well. If they announced that they would have something like that, uh, it would be. It would be worth it. I think. In the in the end, I sure hope so. And then you know, I hope that there's something you know a little more than panels that you know with the actors who were on the show. I hope mm-hmm. there's some some more in depth content. Yes. You know, I, I know in uh, like last year they had. Um, you know, a sort of a reflection on TNG, uh, not TNG, with uh, with TOS for the 50th. And, you know, Larry was on stage and John Tenuto was on stage and they were talking about the 50th anniversary. And I hope that there's some kind of deep dive on that historically, mm-hmm. because I think that would be good, maybe with photos that haven't been seen or not seen in a long time. Um, videos, I think that would be great. Maybe, who knows, maybe they'll unearth some next-gen footage in a Roddenberry vault somewhere. I was just going to say that. I said, you know, it's 50, 30 years and 50 years isn't a whole lot of difference. And with what they've done with the Roddenberry vault for TOS, there's got to be a bunch of stuff from TNG over the, that time frame. That uh, that would be a great find and a great release on DVD as well. I think we're learning that Gene was a film pack rat. Oh, yeah. That first scene in Roddenberry Vault where, where Rod is in this warehouse and there's just miles of these canisters. <laughs> it's like, the, like they said, it's like Indiana Jones. Yeah, it definitely like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Exactly, yeah. And I then think, – I think one oh, thing, let me break in. One thing, we talked about this a little bit I think last week. 
I'd like to see some kind of merchandise blitz a little bit. Uh, we talked about how, so for some people, this was their start. They should have the opportunity, and me too, um, to have some merchandise. One of the smallest things for 50th anniversary of TOS is my favorite, and that's the 50th uh, pin, lapel pin that Roddenberry's website had on sale for a long time. I love yeah. that. I would love to see a 30th anniversary in the TNG combat. Well, know? I have to say, one of the cool things that you know, Roddenberry is doing, like they did for TNG 50, they've got a different image. Mm hmm. You know, every day from something behind the scenes on the production. They're doing that this year for next gen now yeah. for the 30th, which I think is fantastic. Absolutely. So I love looking at some of those look backs every day now. Um, I, I do hope they do something like that, although I don't I don't know if they will. Yeah, you know, nice. you, you would think that they would have some of that announced, but you know, maybe we're just, you know, too too anxious to get it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just wait and see, I guess. So as we look ahead to this celebration of next gen and i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit what would you like to see us do in recognition of this 50th anniversary uh, sorry 30th anniversary i'm getting my anniversary screwed up that's right there's been a lot of them so you know and and your mind yeah. isn't what it was so that's understandable <laughs> <laughs> i um i think this is something that we've talked about i am looking forward to this year taking care of all remaining six seasons of TNG in see it or skip it episodes with special guests each time. I would love to do that for the listeners and for ourselves because we get to learn a little bit about each other with these episodes. So I think that would be very, very cool. I think that would be cool. I like that idea. I would, um, I would like to, I think maybe at some point put out a supplemental episode commentary, um, either for Farpoint or for the worst episode Ooh. in general, and maybe do it with you know maybe with a special guest or maybe a couple of people as as part of a you know a Camp Kittimer thing. So like I a that, mystery science theater or something type of thing, uh, perhaps. Or you know it can just be a conversation you know, while the episode is going that you could play alternately with the episode. Oh, cool! Uh, I think that would be kind of neat. Mm -hmm. You know, we wouldn't do it as a regular episode; we do it as something extra. But um, but uh, I think that would be great, and I think. Yeah, you know, some sort of group watch. I think that would be kind of fun to do again. I think maybe September twenty fourth we uh, do encounter at Firepoint. Well, okay. How about that? I'll just put All that right. in the suggestion box because I don't make decisions. Um. Wow. <laughs> That's your job, EP. I think that the thing I've learned from this is that we have a suggestion box, and I don't know where it is. <laughs> I'll build one. <laughs> oh. oh, great! <laughs> it's probably not going to have a bottom, and the suggestions are going to fly away. <laughs> or else. We're all screwed there. Uh, <laughs> so, Dan, as, as we look to wrap this up as sort of our reflection on, you know, how Next Gen got off the ground and our initial thoughts as fans and how wrong we were, because yes. I think we can both say that. Probably. We were, yeah, I was so wrong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You, you got to think of it. If it wasn't for TNG, we would not have what we've got now. If that failed, none of the other stuff would have ever happened. We wouldn't have been celebrating a 30th anniversary mm, yeah. or a 50th anniversary, yep. quite frankly. Mm -hmm. People would have been like, ah, oh, yeah, that show used to be on. Yeah, exactly. That TOS thing. Yep. Yeah, in fact, it wouldn't be called TOS. It would just be called Star, Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> Good point. So any closing thoughts on the first season of Next Gen and, uh, and its premiere in general before we uh, bring this one to a close? Um, like you said, I'm glad we were wrong. It was, it was one of those things that when you're sitting there, you ever watch something that you have nothing to do with, but you're embarrassed? Yes. That was what I felt. That's, I think, the best description I have. It was kind of embarrassing to watch it. Watching Picard come down the engineering uh, elevator, and it was kind of like bouncing as he was coming down at the very beginning. Um, it, it was it was hollow sounding. It, it just was something that was a little bit embarrassing to watch, but they fixed it. They righted the ship. So I'm glad they indeed, did. They did. Indeed they did. Well, Dan, speaking of writing things, we're glad that uh, the court of popular opinion <laughs> was able to write the ship as far as your perf unauthorized performance of five-year mission works. And it's we're happy to say that our relationship with the band is stronger than ever, aren't we, Dan? We love five-year mission. I love five-year mission. I've always loved five-year mission. They just took something the wrong way, and, but we're not going to get back into that. The past is the past. I, I think don't you love them a little too much. Well, I, actually, I don't really love them that much. I just want to you know butter them up on the podcast. 
Wow. <laughs> That's just trying to tone it down a little bit. But no, we both love them. We love their music. You listen to it more than I do, I think, to be quite honest. I think you're the one who has the problem. Yeah, but I don't try to stalk them like you do. <laughs> so, no, but uh, we love everything they've done. They've got some new stuff that's going to be coming out hopefully this year. We're keeping our fingers crossed, right? We sure are. In fact, probably the best place to keep an eye on that is heading on out to fiveyearmission.net. And while you're there, you know, pick up all of their other albums. You know, you're one, you're two, you're three, Spock's Brain, Trouble with Tribbles. You're going to love them all. Seriously. They are every ounce of music you hear on the Trek Geeks podcast. And we truly cannot thank them enough for allowing us to use their music to cover up the sounds of Dan Davidson. What? Wow. Okay. Well, on that note, then, I'm going to tell you something that I did this week. Oh, yeah. I decided to rewatch my special edition of the animated series. Can you oh, believe boy. that? Huh? What? The animated I, series. I, I, wish, I wish I couldn't believe it, but <laughs> I know how this ends. Well, you know, where better to start with a series than by episode one itself, right? So I watched episode one of this special edition of the animated series. The crew comes across this derelict vessel, but there's there's something alive within it still. Check it out. Beyond the Farkest Star. You will love it. I promise. Oh, my. I can, I can make you this, this declaration right now. I guarantee you that Beyond the Farkest Star is better than Beyond the Farthest Star. <laughs> yes. Yes. And... And I would consider Beyond the Farkest Star canon. <laughs> or, or shoot him out of one, one or the other. I'm not really sure. I would not do that to Fark. I, I love Fark. I didn't say Fark. Did I say Fark? You said Fark. You said shoot him out of a cannon. Him. I didn't say. It could have been one of the characters in the episode. Maybe it's Rittenhouse. You never know. Wow. Don't put words in my mouth, sir. That You're is not admissible a, in court. You're going to get a suit again. <laughs> but... Uh, and please, we, we definitely want to see Five Year Mission back as the house band in Vegas. You know, tell all your friends, tell all your family, even the ones you don't like. Tweet creation. T- tweet creation, email creation. Tell them you want Five Year Mission back as the house band because, believe me, you do. Just trust me on this. You do. And uh, let's make this happen. So fiveyearmission.net, go get yourself some great tunes, yo. Yo. Whoa. Yo. Okay. Yo, Dan, why don't you tell us what's happening with us next week? Next week, there's going to be a whole lot of silence here on these here podcast waves. Why is that, you may ask? Uh, well, I don't know. Why, Dan? Well, you and your lovely bride, uh, you're heading off to uh, to Las Vegas, uh, I hear. So uh, we're going to take next week off, actually. But have no fear. We will be back on January 24th of this here 2017. And we're going to discuss the very first episode of Star Trek Enterprise. That's right. I might even sing the song, but we're going to talk Broken Bow. And uh, we're also going to be celebrating the Trek Geek Podcast's second birthday. What? What? Two years, man. Two years of this putting up with you. It's the longest hostage tape in the known world. <laughs> yes, we're going to have fun, and uh, I can't wait. Yeah, and I hope you have a great trip. Well, thank you. We're looking forward to it. It'll be a nice uh, midwinter respite of sorts. Respite. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we don't normally come back for two weeks and take another week off, but uh, we, we understand that the 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 cries and the, the sadness that will be experienced in Camp Kittimer will be palpable, and we'll do our best to mitigate that for the future. That's for sure. Absolutely. At um, Dan, we should remind everybody that uh, in our absence next week, they can find more great Star Trek discussions at the Tricorder Transmissions, which is, of course, online at thetricordertransmissions.com. You could listen to one of their cavalcade of shows. Wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> Whew. I got to take I a know. breath on that one. I know. I thought I'd drop a, drop a cavalcade on you. Wow. Yeah, whether it's Shore Leave or a Tavacron or What Are Little Songs Made Of or the Gold Key Comics, they have something that's sure to engage every Star Trek fan. So please head on over to the tricordertransmissions.com and check them out. And of course, for all the latest news on everything Star Trek, please vis- visit our good friends at treknews.net online at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 89 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Picking it up with you, coconut. No. Wow. Mm. Wow, I didn't know coconut 
was was on board this ship. I'm gonna check my crew manifest. Don't get Picard mad at you. <laughs> Don't slack off, coconut. Wow, Bill with the coconut reference. Love it. Coconut. I love coconut. What? <laughs> Coffee. Wow. Now you're stepping on my toes, man. Everybody say, huh? <laughs> I guess I'm not needed anymore. It only took 89 episodes for you to figure that out. Okay, bye. Do you ping pong? Let's get this over with. <laughs> ping pong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Happy New Year to you too, jerk. <laughs> Thanks, loser. Ping pong. Ping pong. That's what it sounds like to me every time you say it anyway. It's a, I just want you to know, I just came in from brushing off my car so that they could plow out the driveway. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's cold. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's uh, when I took Abby out this morning, it was five degrees. They say it's 15 now, but I don't believe that for a second. Well, uh, you should be happy, though, because at least you're not uh, in the atmosphere, outside of the atmosphere. You know why? No. It is very cold in space. If I could hang up on you right now, I absolutely <laughs> would. Wow. I have to get my, you know, I have to do an impersonation at least once an episode. So now we're all done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Oh, so do you don't have you don't have any like quality control as to whether they're going to be good anymore or not? Oh, so there have been good ones. That's what you're saying. Um, we I've always said your Kirk is outstanding. Oh, that's okay. Well, I appreciate that, and I've said that to you for twenty years, you and have, you know that. I know. I know, but then again, you keep saying that I'm the executive producer, and I'm not, so I might as well say things that aren't true to you too. No, but you like to give me orders like you're the executive producer. Giving you orders has nothing to do about being executive producer. It just means that you don't have a spine. I give you orders and you tell me to F off. That's I have a spine. <laughs> I shouldn't, though, because you are the boss and I, I respect that. Yeah, oh yeah. Did you get any snow? We got a couple inches, not a lot. It was more of a southern storm, my understanding. Yeah, same here. Yeah. It was kind of cool last night for the first time in, God, probably two years. Myself, Sue, my brother-in-law and sister, and even my nephew all played World of Warcraft together for the first time in forever. It was fun. Wow, that's kind of cool. It was fun. We had a good time. We played for about, God, I think we played for like four hours. Does Alex Trebek appear in that too? <laughs> See how there you go. She's never going to live that down. Love you, Donna. <laughs> that was good. That's good. Yeah, and a, and, a, and a clunky piece of junk Millennium Falcon might show up too, right, Chris? Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> Got a fine research vessel, state of the art. No, it's... <laughs> Somebody's weed van. What a, what a hunk of junk. <laughs> oh, it should go 0.5 past light speed. Ooh. Ooh. That's you're, fast. You, you came here in that? You're braver than I thought. <laughs> Jeez. But it was fun. What was also fun was, was everybody not remembering how the hell they do anything in the game. That was pretty good, too. <laughs> that had to be pretty good. Oh, yeah. That was really funny. Oh, well, what'd you do? Uh, yesterday? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I had the gym in the morning. Yes. And I felt like I, felt like I was going to die afterward, and then I got a haircut, and then I really didn't do a whole hell of a lot. All right. That's good. That's good. Because uh, it hurt to move. <laughs> Did you get a shave and a haircut? <laughs> no. Okay. No. All right. All right. What is it with you? I'm sorry. Trying to, lighten the mood. trying to lighten the mood, you know. People have to listen to you for an hour, you know, they get pretty depressed, so I try to get things, you know, woo Hey, I'm not the bore. that's true yeah all right so i'm sorry sorry, did you say something i'm gonna start talking like stephen wright for the whole episode what do you mean start (laughs) wow so what you're saying is that guy's pretty uh accurate 
I'm not making any claims to whether he's accurate or not. I'm just commenting on on your claim that you're going to begin talking like Stephen Wright. <laughs> I ever tell you I met him once at Manchester Airport? Oh my God, really? Yeah, so I'm getting ready to fly out, and I'm sure it was to Vegas. Because <laughs> you know, 10, 12 years ago, that's the only place I ever went. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm in the, you know, like the, uh, the Hudson News store. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to get some water and maybe a snack for the plane. And I hear this voice that I recognize, and I turn around, and it's Stephen Wright in Manchester, New Hampshire. <laughs> and, you know, I, of course, I always hate approaching celebrities when they're like, you know, in their own personal time or traveling or whatever, because I feel like I'm imposing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, oh, my God, you, you're Stephen Wright. And he goes, yeah. I'm like, I, I, I love, I love your work. I, you, you always make me laugh. And, uh, I, I think I've listened to, you know, the, the album I have of yours at least, you know, a hundred times if I've listened to it once. And he, a, a pause went by and it was like this. Thanks. <laughs> so he's like that all the time. It was, it was just like his comedy delivery. I'm like, well, uh, have, have a great flight. And he just sort of nods. It's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Gonna go pay for my candy. <laughs> I live on a one-way dead-end street. <laughs> I don't know how to get out. Oh, he's, it's his, he's voiceover something recently, and I can't remember what it is. But it's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. But it was weird. I mean, I know he's from Boston. I didn't know that either. Yeah, or at least he, <laughs> he lived in Boston for a long time. Uh, he may, he has a joke in his uh, in his his past repertoire about he used to park jets at Logan and he'd always misplace the keys. God, that's not yeah. even funny. Uh, well, it is when he says it. Well, well I'm, I'm not Stephen Wright. You can say that again. Although you tend to talk like him more. So no, no, really. Nothing say you it say again. is funny. Say it again. Nothing you say is funny. 